Hello, I'm your host, Kathy Chester, and welcome to the Move It or Lose It podcast, a podcast about all things that move the mind, body, and soul. The Move It or Lose It podcast is for information, awareness, and inspirational purposes only. I am not a doctor, and I don't even play one on TV. So please consult with your doctor before making any medical decisions. The views expressed by advertisers, guests, or contributors are their opinions and not necessarily the views of the Move It or Lose It podcast. Okay, so here is our part two with Dr. Jim Jackson, and we are continuing in with our long COVID and how we're dealing with the cognitive issues and all the other issues that come with this. So we ended with our last one, kind of talking about people stepping in to kind of provide and helping out. And you were kind of asking healthcare providers that are listening in, jump in, don't wait till it's till you're ready because Lord knows we never, we're never ready. You just got to jump in. So um, I love that because it's, it is so important. And I found that even with what I do in, in trying to help them with movement is, you know, now I'm trying to train other trainers to do that. And they're always like, I don't know if I could do it. Well, it is, it is tiring, but it is with a heart of love and patience and care. And I just always think if I got like this, I would want to be taken care of this way as well. And I guess I would love to know from you with the support groups, what are some of the, what is, what is the, the most joyful thing that you've had throughout all of this? What is something that really touched you? It's a great question. Um, we see the full spectrum of, of human emotion, I guess you'd say in the yeah. support group, we see the highs and, and we see the lows and we encourage people to share the highs and the lows, you know, don't hold back. If, if you're really thriving, we want to hear it. If you're struggling, we want to hear it too. I often think of a patient of ours in the support group who had COVID and was in the ICU. He was on a ventilator for a couple of months. He was so debilitated that when he left the ICU, he literally couldn't walk at all. You know, he had to leave in a wheelchair. He lost all of his sight in one eye. He um, really had tremendous difficulties and uh, he somehow returned to work um, within a year and not long ago was voted teacher of the year at his elementary school. Oh, and wow. uh, it was really powerful. I mean, it was a it was a really lovely testimony. People were were crying on the sport group call as he shared this. He's a very humble guy, reluctant to talk about himself. Um, it was a really moving story of overcoming challenges, right? Yeah, and yeah. and reaching down deep and finding that. Um, maybe you've got some capacities that you didn't know that you had, right? That right. that that struggle, um, it's really hard, but it can produce lovely things, and and it did for him. So um, that's one story of many. There are stories of real hardship also, and um, we give those our full attention. But right. but this one was particularly inspiring. This idea that's that awesome. he had moved out of his comfort zone. He had done it with a lot of courage and he was really rewarded. It's a beautiful story. I love that one. It is a beautiful story. And I think so time, so often, whether it's long COVID or a sickness, you kind of lose that confidence and you don't feel like you're worth anything or it's all gone and you don't have anything. So that's such a beautiful story of look, look what 
What look what so was something so seemingly ugly. Look what beauty can come from that. Exactly. Um, years ago, I was given a talk in New Mexico on PTSD. It's a long story, so I'll I'll condense it. <laughs> um, and uh, and I was talking about something called post traumatic growth. And post traumatic growth is this idea that that you can have a trauma you experience, and through the struggle that you've had, there's some real growth that can occur. You can develop gratitude. You can develop a deeper appreciation for relationships. You can become more loving, post-traumatic growth. And um, I mentioned the phrase during that talk, I mentioned the phrase um, beauty from ashes, beauty from ashes. And uh, it's a phrase from the Old Testament. And uh, yeah, and there was a woman who was, she was the person who was hosting this meeting. She was the, the person that had funded it. We had dinner that evening. And she said, you know, I was struck by that comment, beauty from ashes, because I lost my husband tragically. Mm-hmm. And that's my email address, beauty from ashes. And wow. it was really, it was really powerful. Yeah. And we see it, we see yeah. beauty arise from ashes. And it, it's a picture of what can happen when people receive the support, and they're in the community that they need amazing, lovely, and hard things can happen and it can be very inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is I really do believe that we can get through those hard things when we have the support and it's we're trying to go through it alone is when we, when we give up. And I think your story and the story of other people with, with MS or epilepsy or whatever the chronic illness would be, it's really inspiring. And it's a good reminder that long before long COVID happened, there were people with chronic illnesses, right? There were people with chronic illnesses and they struggled often and figured out, however they figured it out, right? They figured out in many cases how to live fulfilling lives. And I think they have a lot of information that is useful for the journey that these long COVID patients are on. And so even as I'm talking to you and thinking in real time, I'm thinking, you know, we need at Vanderbilt to do a better job connecting our long COVID patients with people with other chronic illnesses who are figuring this out. I was going to say, I've already talked, I've already been asked to speak to some of them because, because it's what I do because I do podcasts and they're like, you, you seem like you're easy to talk. And I'm like, well, that's what I do. And they're like, would you mind talking to I'm like, not at all, because it is so encouraging for people for long COVID to understand that this is difficult. It is to have your world just around like that so quickly, but given time and given not giving up and having that, that person that you can contact and having your tools, your toolbox, you will get through this. Not only that, but you will thrive and not every day there'll be those bumps, but you've got to have your toolbox. You will get through. Yeah, I love it. I, I know when I got diagnosed with OCD, and I alluded to this earlier, but but honestly, I thought, you know, my life is over. My life's effectively over. There is no way I am going to manage with this. And my psychologist, very loving and, and wise, I think, invited me to think a little differently about that. And I wasn't really ready to do that. You know, it took me probably a full year before I could even contemplate the possibility of accepting this, you know, I just wanted to get rid of it. And um, when I accepted the idea that 
maybe I could live with this. I, I didn't have to like it, right? I didn't have to like it. When I accepted the idea that maybe I could find a way to live with it, everything started to change for me after that point. Yeah, agree 100%. Here's the thing for me is where do you see it going? Do you where where do you see this ending? Do you see that more and more people will understand it and there'll be more and more support groups? And I don't I can't see you leading every single support group in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe. No, no. It's funny, you know, it's funny that you say that because uh we've got a waiting list of about 50 people, 55. Really? Yeah, we do in our support <laughs> groups. And so recently I said to one of my wiser colleagues, I said, you know, I think we should add two or three more support groups. And she said, no, 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 we are not adding more support groups. Um, so I, I think um, hopefully that's a model that is going to catch on. Yeah. It's been slow to catch on, but um, but it's certainly not something I can do. You're right. You, you know, have my, to do some commercials. Yeah. Have you yeah. experienced? Yeah, like, exactly. Exactly. But, but I do think I think a couple things. I, you know, I think there are really bright people who are working really hard to develop therapeutics for long COVID, and we'll see what happens with yeah. that. Obviously, we're hopeful. We'll, we're all hopeful about that. Um, randomized trials and uh, you know various um, scientific pursuits related to sure. this medication or that that maybe will work. But uh, you know, we've attempted that with Alzheimer's disease. We've attempted that with cancer. Those are the right attempts. But um, it's very rare that we found a pill that right. would eradicate everything, right? right. That would eradicate everything. We saw everything. what Adderall did. Yeah, yeah, right. So, um, so I think um, this this hopeful message that this is really hard and challenging, and you can find a way um, not just to survive with this, but to thrive. Yeah. I, I I trust that that message is really going to grow. And um, that people are going to start to understand that um, there's a way of moving forward with long COVID. Uh, one thing that has happened that has been really encouraging, I think, during the pandemic is that um, I think it has made mental health in particular much more acceptable to talk about, right? Yeah. People used to talk about that kind of in hushed tones. I think we're having really candid conversations now about mental health. So that's one good thing that has happened. Um, so, you know, and there's it's no- It's not a stigma. There's not. It. You exactly. know what I mean? That it can it can come from childhood trauma. I had childhood trauma. Right. And I think there's not, I think before it was like mental health meant that you were in a loony bin. Right, exactly. And it's like, no, that is not what it means. And exactly. just sit down and listen. And exactly. that I think has been, again, I there were some horrific things, obviously, or you wouldn't be doing this with COVID. Yeah. But there were some beautiful things that happened too. There were some people that actually listened and yeah. sat down. So right. I think there were, like you're saying, there were some beautiful things. Yeah. That happened. I'm really, yeah, I'm very hopeful. I, I'm I'm hopeful that we are going to introduce people to an idea that they can live rich and meaningful lives. I'm hopeful that the lessons that other people with chronic illness have learned can be applied to help people thrive. I'm hopeful that um, the long COVID clinics, there are about 300 of them in the United States, hopeful that they'll continue the good work that they're doing. I'm hopeful that we'll find a way 
to scale the rehabilitation that we're doing so that it can impact large numbers of people because I think rehabilitation is really the key. Is your company, business, school, nonprofit organization, or maybe your support group looking for a speaker to talk about what it's like to have an autoimmune disease, or maybe just to motivate and help inspire? Well, my name's Kathy Chester, and I'm the owner and maker of MS Disrupted and the program, Damn It, Disrupt, Move, and Transform. I have been doing motivational speaking for years, and I'd be happy to come and help, whether it's motivational speaking at a company or at a school. So please feel free to email me at msdisrupted at gmail.com, or you can check out the website, msdisrupted.com, or feel free to DM me at msdisrupted. Can't wait to hear from you. We're... Would people find a long COVID clinic that's near them? Where would they be able to find that? Yeah. So if you go online, there is a website, Survivor Core, okay. C-O-R-P. So I think it's SurvivorCore.com or Survivor. I will Core. have this on the on the, at the bottom of it. So don't stop your car. Don't worry. Yeah, exactly. Survivor Core. And uh, on Survivor Core, there is a map and you okay. can click on the map and it's a map of all the 50 states. And it will it will let you know where that long COVID clinic is. And um, right. I, I think if people can go to a long COVID clinic in the Midwest, there's one at Northwestern, there's one in Ann Arbor, you know, et cetera. There really are people who are particular experts in the sorts of symptoms that people have who have long COVID, whether those are cardiac, whether those are neurologic, whether those are autoimmune there are specialists and often subspecialists, and I think they can direct people in the in the direction they need to go. There's a chapter in my book that talks about how to engage physicians about long COVID, okay. you know, okay. about how to advocate for yourself in the context of long COVID. And I think it's really important. I think the hard thing here, Kathy, is that there are a lot of patients, as we discussed, who are cognitively impaired. And so asking that cognitively impaired vulnerable patient to be a big, robust advocate for themselves, that's a big ask. That's a big ask. So Clearing the Fog talks with a lot of specificity about, hey, here's what the first session with your doctor could look like. Here are the questions you want to ask. Here's how to be prepared. I think it's really important, um, but difficult. I think that was, if I'm not mistaken, in the first chapter. Yes, that's right. And I believe that, and I love that because being chronically ill, you know, in the beginning, I thought I I got it. I can just do it on my own. And then you realize you leave and you forgot half the questions that you needed to ask. Exactly. And so not to mention how in the world do you know how to advocate for yourself? Exactly. You know, when exactly. you're a mom or a dad, you know, for sure how to advocate for your spouse, or your kids, but you've got to bring someone with you. Exactly. And then, you, then you've and- got to tell that person what you need like you said in the first, like what you need to be, help, talk with them. These are the questions I need to, I need to know so you that do. they know what to write. You do. And it raises a whole nother, I think, important issue, big issue. And, uh, you know, obviously my office is not going to show up on your podcast. It's a good thing because my office. Is no, it will. Long. It's going on YouTube. It will. All right. <laughs> Very good. Well, uh, this current view doesn't look too bad, but there are parts of my office that are a little messy. 
And um, what you would see in my office are stacks of papers, and some of those stacks of papers are disability applications. Yeah. And um, disability is a really big issue in the context of long COVID. It's a huge issue. And that's another issue where, you know, really feels challenging, a little bit backwards, where we're asking people with significant cognitive impairment to fill out really complicated forms right. where so much is at stake. I often, as their healthcare provider, have no idea how to fill those forms out, right? So um, there's a lot in the system, I think, that is backwards. And I think it behooves us as healthcare providers to try to figure out how to help. So I think one of the contributions I'm aware of making every week is, hey, I'm going to help you fill out these disability forms because they're really important. One more example, though of um, this idea that the people who need it the most are often the people less equipped to be able to do it. Yes. So would you say that I would think like at least once a month or once every other week, that specific doctors, specific people, not even doctors in their, in what they do, like what I do, what other people do could just take that time and give it away, give that time away for for that for a long I never can understand that and maybe that's just my personality but to give that time away to give that resource this is what I can give this is what you can give and if we were to do that for 2 hours and to give to give long covid patients to give other people that what we have we would get a lot further I think it's I think it's a really lovely idea and and uh, something that I really do practice and and many others do. I think one area where we have not seen that so much that has been really hard is in the mental health space in Nashville, for instance. If you're going to see a psychologist, almost all of them have chosen to work outside of the insurance system. They don't take insurance, and that's their prerogative. I you know I don't have any issue with. With that, they've decided to do that often because insurance companies are 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 not good partners, right? They're hard to deal with. But what that means is that if a patient wants really high quality mental health care and they can't pay $170 out of their pocket, they're not getting that care at all. Right. They're not getting that care. So our support group is free of charge. We don't charge anybody. People can attend as long as they want. We're attempting in that model to offset a bit the fact that mental health care too often is just not available. So I think it's really the classic, you know, there's that old saying, the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. And I think we see that people who have a lot of resources to throw at long COVID, and it's great that they do, they tend to do better, right? They can go to the Mayo Clinic, they can um, engage in an experimental treatment, they can um hire someone at their house to help them stay on track, right? Right. They can figure it out even though they're still suffering. People without resources, they're the ones who fall through the cracks. They lose their job and now they've lost their house and now they're sleeping in their car and it all runs downhill. So I think we have to really have a heart for the vulnerable ones among us here because if everyone else is struggling they are particularly struggling. And it's really sad to see. I often feel very helpless and it's a tough situation to be in. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Well, I, I know for me that when you're figuring this out, I want to be a part of it because that breaks my heart as well. And I end up, I'm sure you do the same. I end up giving away everything. I'm like, okay, I'll help you. And then my husband looks at me like, are you making anything? Probably not, but I don't know what to do. I, I will say, you know, I turned 55, um, gosh, last month. So class of 1986, you know, been, <laughs> been long, been long time, turned 55. And I do think um, as I've gotten older, uh, I think I'm a little more philosophical. And I think you start to realize that what matters at the end of the day is relationships and people, right? It's it's not what kind of car you drive. It's not right. how big your boat is. It's really what sort of contributions are you making in the lives of people? Right. And I think um, for me, at least, and, and clearly for you and others, yeah. um, this isn't a job as much as it is a calling. You know, right. it's a privilege and a calling. And, um, you know, I, I, I would invite people to listen to the stories of long COVID survivors if they haven't done that. And they would be similarly moved, I think, to action because these stories are so authentic and they're so genuine and raw. And when you hear them, you just really have to help. You have to help. Yeah. Well, I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed being able to get to know you and to be able to just know what you're doing. And I'm going to promote this all over the place. So I hope that many will listen and just really understand what it is that these long COVID survivors are really dealing with. And I know that for my part, I have a um, a women's support group with MS and they very much understood, not some because family members have it, but really are understanding and, and trying to get their hands around how they can help. And so we just really, really appreciate what you're doing and just so thankful for your heart and for the support groups and really praying that many will come around and many will see the importance of this. And we'll continue to help you with this and the doctors that are helping. Well, thank you. I'll, I'll look forward to catching up with you if I'm on the east side of the great state of Michigan. And <laughs> uh, I appreciate being with you. So one quick thing, how can everybody get a hold of you if they want to get a hold of you? Yeah, so I have a website, um, www.jamescjackson.com. So someone can email me there uh, if they want. They can reach me at my Vanderbilt email address, james.c.jackson at vumc.org. That would be the easiest place. They can find me on Twitter. Um, I, I really take seriously the, the fact that um, when patients follow up with me, when people struggling follow up with me, got an obligation to respond. So if you send me an email, your listeners send me an email, um, I'll be really happy to send an email back and uh, I'm I'm keen to help in any way I can. So if people want to reach out to me, I really welcome that, Kathy. Good. I have no doubt. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Move It or Lose It podcast, where you can again find us wherever you like your podcast, whether it's Apple, Spotify, join us on that. And we can't wait to see you again. We're going to have a lot of exciting guests and working together. And as always, you'll hear us say at the end of every podcast, we are stronger together. So let's do it. Let's become stronger together. Have a great day. Hey.